0: This is On and Off Your Mat podcast episode 10 Finding Refuge in Your Yoga Practice. My name is Erica and I'm your host. For this episode, I sat down with another Erica, Erica Trice. Erica is a yoga teacher and teacher trainer. She has been studying and teaching many different styles of yoga for over 25 years, including Iyengar, Therapeutic, Ashtanga, Yin, and Anusara. In addition to yoga, Erica has been a Qigong and Tai Chi Chuan student and teacher. Our teaching style reflects the transformative power of both of these disciplines. Today we sat down to talk about yoga in general and how the practice can become a refuge from the challenges in your life. As always, I really appreciate your support, so as you leave a review on iTunes or on your iPhone podcast app, you automatically enter a giveaway. Once more, Atleta is supporting this podcast in their efforts to ignite a community of strong women who lift each other up, and is giving out a $75 dollars shop card. If you want to know more, stay tuned. I'll give all the details at the end of the show and I'll announce the winner of the last giveaway. So, on that note, take a listen. I'm sure you'll enjoy. Hi, Erica.
1: Hi, Erica. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you for joining me in person today.
1: Yeah, I'm glad to be here. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for asking me, mm-hmm. actually.
0: My pleasure. Erica was one of my mentors as I studied to become a yoga teacher. I was amazed by her presence and inspired by her passion. She always offers immersions that seem really interesting to me. So when I saw that she was doing one called The Refuge of Practice, a weekend yoga and meditation intensives, I thought the idea of refuge would be a great subject to cover on the podcast. So before we dig into her subject today, can you tell us a bit more about yourself and what brought you to yoga originally?
1: Um, I found yoga in my early 20s, like a long time ago, and I actually found it through, I was um, married at the time, and I was married to a man who was kind of a holistic doctor, Mm -hmm. and he had been doing yoga. So he said, do you want to come and join me? And I said, sure, not knowing what I was getting into, actually, um, and went to my first yoga class And like a lot of yoga, longtime yogis say, fell in love with it. Like the minute I took it, just Mm -hmm. fell in love with it, but fell in love with it from a place of feeling like it was, I had found like my path, you know, and I often say this to a lot of students that I teach and especially teacher trainees, maybe you've heard me say this, but (laughs) is that my first years of yoga were less about the asana even though there was asana involved, and they were more, the classes were more of, like, philosophy, pranayama, meditation, and asana, Mm -hmm. because my first very early teachers were um, students of uh, Krishnamacharya, which many people are familiar with. He's, like, the grandfather of modern-day yoga, and TKV Desikachar, and so they taught in this style that was, like, classical yoga, like, again, like I said, philosophy, pranayama, meditation, and asana all combined in these classes. So those were my first classes and introduction, and I fell in love with it. So I that's where I got into the philosophy of yoga. Yeah, at that point. Nice.
0: How do you define or how do you see that idea of refuge? Like, what does it mean to seek refuge in our practice for you?
1: Um, I thought about this before and, and you know as I'm get, getting ready to teach this workshop and and this was a really important topic for me especially now right now in the world because I find that more and more of us need um, we need support in finding balance again right we everyone's lives have challenges in it and we have um, difficulties and we have great moments where we have all that, all those things that actually, you know, like I said, challenge us. So I, I found that, that teaching a workshop, teaching in a way that would help people be able to find their balance again and find center again. So there's a quote, and this is what I want to um, read, and it was it was a quote by a Buddhist monk. I don't know who, I don't know where I read it, but I read it a long time ago, and it kind of stuck with me about refuge. Mm-hmm. And the quote, or the statement is, he said, he said, When we f- trust that we are the ocean, we are not afraid of the waves. Mm, that's so nice. So that's what I think refuge is. Refuge is... To me, it's more, Refuge Me is more of an inner place, like it's an inner place or an inner state where I can experience myself as that ocean, that infinite awareness, Mm -hmm. even in the middle of, you know, challenging circumstances in my life. Yeah, (laughs) and I feel like when I'm in that space, even if I touch it just for a minute, that the waves, you know, the challenging things in our lives, the difficulties, right, are actually okay. Mm. And that's what refuge is to me.
0: That's yeah. inspiring. That's a practice I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> How does that type of practice look like or feel like, like energetically or physically, mentally? How is it different than a regular class you would teach?
1: I think, it, I don't know if it's different. I think every yoga practice should be leading us to that place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So whether you're focused on backbends or whatever, whether you're focused on asana, I think every every yoga practice should should bring us to that place. If it doesn't, I don't know if it's doing what yoga really should do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the, there's a couple few or a few important things that a practice that brings you to a place of refuge should have. It should um, calm and clear your mind. Mm-hmm. Should so it should bring you to a level of peace inside. It should clear your energy because the energy body often is, you know, filled with a lot of stuff and static. Our nervous systems are kind of, you know, over on the over sympathetic side, over activated side. So it needs to clear the energy. Um, and when it does that, when it calms the mind, brings you a level of peace, when it clears your energy, then it you have the potential to... Um, have a a different perspective. So let's say you have an issue going on in your life and you do a practice and you come to this place where you feel, you know, clearer and calmer and more peaceful. And then from that place, you look at your issue, you have a different perspective on it. So you'll probably make a different choice. Mm -hmm. You won't react so fast. (laughs) And then the other thing I think that a practice that leads you to a place of refuge needs to have is it needs to have some, um, some part of it that brings you into a deeper connection with whatever you want to call it, universal presence, infinite awareness. Some people call it God, the divine. It needs to have, um, some part of it that cultivates that sense of, um, of connectivity to that mm-hmm. kind of divine source to something bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. So I think the practice has to have those three those three things to really to really take you into a place of refuge. Yeah.
0: So that's in the essence of the practice. And I assume you do asana, you do meditation. It's in the title. Do you also do pranama or other?
1: Yes. Yeah. And you know, this will be you know in my workshop, but this you know this anybody can take pieces of that. So so um, somebody's daily practice, which is what I'm hoping to inspire people to do, it doesn't have to be an hour and a half. It doesn't have to be two hours. It can be something very short and abbreviated. Um, and it can be you know, maybe a little bit of movement, a little bit of breathing, which the pranayama changes your energy. So it clears your energy field. And then I really believe that it have, should have some meditation, even if it's five minutes, mm-hmm. you know, some type of meditation that helps you quiet your mind. Yeah.
0: Mm. Um, so I want to go a little bit more personal now that we know why or where we're going with that. Um, I wanted to ask you what in your life made you Seek refuge in your practice, or what makes you seek refuge now?
1: Honestly, everything. <laughs> so, everything. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know about everybody else's life, but m- my life is definitely filled with ups and downs, mm-hmm. you know, on an almost daily basis. And it's, I think somewhere early in my life i guess i guess i'll go way back somewhere early in my life i recognized or had a calling you would say to find something deeper more meaningful in my life so from from the time i was young um, I would say, even in grade school, I was sort of asking like myself, like, "There's got to be more, you know? What's the deeper meaning in life, and who am I?" I mean, I had all those questions. So I think from the time I was young, I was kind of what you would consider like a spiritual seeker. So it was inevitable I was going to find yoga or some path that mm-hmm. that um, helps support that. Um, but on a daily basis now, I find that the practice of meditation, my asana practice, whatever it is, pranayama, chanting, um, mantra is essential to keep continually bringing me back to a place of feeling stable and feeling um, balanced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there wasn't, you know, when I look back at, there wasn't really any big event. I know people have big challenging events in their life that were life-changing. My life was, um, Coming from a broken family, coming from, you know, a single mother trying to raise us—I mean, there was just always challenges. You know, lots of moving around in my life. We didn't really have a, a family home, so we moved quite often. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's—I think—just that, just the nature of that sort of brought me to this place of seeking a, a practice that would that would help me navigate the those those Mm
0: -hmm. and day-to-day now what challenges do you have to navigate that you can put aside for a moment when you use your yoga practice
1: um i have all the usual challenges that everybody else does (laughs) um family challenges relationship challenges work and career challenges um I think even you know, just in the sociopolitical world around us too, some of those mm-hmm. things when you know we read the news and you find you find yourself disheartened by what's sure. going on in the state of the world. Um, we have so much, you know, as we all know, we have so much social media, we have so much connection through the internet now. So we often get more bombarded with more information than what we would have 20 years ago. And so we're having to process much more um, more complicated things, much more, um, what you would call like, you know, bad news. And that's hard. That weighs us down. So I think that, um, all of those things is why I actually seek refuge in my practice, Mm -hmm. you know?
0: Makes sense. Um, Um, so for people to relate even more, can you share your thoughts about pain and suffering in general, like as part of a human experience?
1: Hmm. That's a really big question. (laughs) Let me see if I understand that. So, um, I, I would say that pain and suffering just from, just, I would say that it's, it's part of human experience. Mm So, um, and I think that kind of recognizing that that's sort of an inevitability, um, Which is hard to recognize that because I think often, I know in my life, I've often thought that I would sort of, I keep waiting until I'm going to kind of get to this, like, you know, this state of nirvana or this state of wonderfulness. And it's just going to stay that way, you know, and sometimes it does for a while, but then often something will come along and it kind of knocks me out of that state of bliss. And, um, you know, it can be something big in my life. Um, recently I had the loss of my mother actually so she just passed away and I had a loss of my friend and those were pretty big obstacles and pretty big challenges in my life that I've been navigating through but sometimes it's just little things I mean I I often think that just going around driving around and trying to run errands sometimes is just maddening and frustrating (laughs) and I come home and I'm like trying to find my you know center again after that Um, I think so I think it's inevitable, pain and suffering. Unfortunately, um, I think the most important thing th- is how we react to that pain and suffering, and how fast we can actually pull ourselves back to some level of um, stability and balance. Mm-hmm. And I say some level because, again, you know, I'm not, I'm not. Sp- saying that, you know, through these practices, you're going to feel it's fine. Magic. Yeah, it's not <laughs> magic. It's it's a tool to help you to be able to find balance again and to recognize that kind of underneath, like I said, that's why I use that quote, like underneath the waves, mm-hmm. the, you know, the ups and downs in life, that there is this kind of infinite presence and peace that is always there, right? And that can help us kind of hold hold a bigger picture around kind of hold our arms around whatever sort of suffering or difficulties we're going through.
0: Mm -hmm. What you're saying makes me think of one of the little story from Mark Nepo. He has a book Mm -hmm. called The
1: Book of Awakening. I love Mark Nepo. And he
0: talks about how to get to the deep water, you have to go through the waves. But when you pass the first part of being tossed around by the waves, then you get into the deep and there it's calm. Yes. And it's, it kind of reminds me of that, like the suffering, you have to move through it mm-hmm. and the practice can help you navigate that transition to get to a place that's more calm and more deep and more,
1: yeah, I where love, you can flow with yeah. the water
0: and let yourself be carried. Yeah.
1: I love that, and it, it. I I think too when you talk about that, like going, you have to kind of go through like the the surf. You got to go through the waves to get to the deep. I think of that as that you recognizing that our suffering and our challenges that we go through, like the waves, right, are actually many many times, at least in my experience, have been our greatest teachers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're going through them. We often want to go around them or go above them or go, you know, we wish they weren't there. But when we kind of go in, accept them, go right through them, the heart of them to get to that place of the deep, they often are greatest teachers. They are.
0: And if you don't fight and you go with it and you move through it slowly, step by step, if you stay in the waves and you just fight them, you're stuck in this turmoil of being...
1: Tossed around, yeah. tossed around. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Like, not fighting. Like, there's a certain level of acceptance that we have to have for that. Like, you know, really resting in that um, in that deep acceptance of what's coming in our life, which is the hardest thing. Like, everything we're talking about is not easy. Just so everybody knows, it's not easy. It's a practice. That's why you have, you know, have daily tools and techniques that you can do to help out.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So coming back to that and what you said about how the practice feels like or looks like, is there part of the practice that might be more potent in your opinion when we are seeking safety and shelter, like that's what our intention is, is meditation more useful yes. or for some people is really moving the energy whether that's breath or asana more useful? How do you think? Well, I
1: would that I yeah, what I would say is I would say I would choose that meditation is essential. Mm-hmm. However, having say, said that, I, I, so that's the first thing I would say, do what you can to be able to learn a meditation practice, whether it be a few minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, hopefully it can build over time. Um, but I would also say with that is that for some people, if they've never meditated before, it's really challenging to go and just sit and be still or focus on your breath or focus on a mantra and so this is where the asana practice or pranayama practice comes along something that's more active but still has the goal to quiet your mind and calm your nervous system and bring you to a level of peace inner peace then i think you can use asana practice for that But I would say that as a
0: preparation, yes, Mm
1: -hmm. as a preparation or, you know, for a while, like that's your sort of asana slash meditation. That's your practice. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully over time, you you are building to be able to do more meditation. Yeah.
0: And do you think there's a particular type of meditation that's more useful in that case or where would people start if they're just dabbling in it? Do you have any? tips or suggestions? Um,
1: I think there's lots of different types of meditation. And again, just like um, asana practice, they the different types of meditation work different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Some people can really um, get behind just focusing on breath. And for some people, they that just doesn't work for them. That doesn't quiet their mind. Um, they need something mentally more... Um, more active like they need to say uh, either a, a prayer or a mantra. Um, some people need to visualize. They're just more they're just more visual in that way. So they need a visualization or so there's I think there's a lot of different uh, meditations that can help, all the different types of people, like everybody's different um, tendencies or um, ways that they learn or ways that their mind can um, get quiet. I think they can they can use they can use a different type of meditation. So yeah. maybe
0: it's about trying different styles until you find one that works with you where you actually are able to sit or yes. want to sit doing that practice yes. And not, you have to do this this way. And
1: I think that's a great thing to say is that so, because often people will come and they'll try meditation, like, oh, that was so hard. I can't believe I can't get quiet at all. Like, you know, and I want to say to them, nobody's quiet in the room. So if you think everyone's sitting in peace, right? You know, it is a practice, but I say try different styles until you find the one that really leads you to that place of quiet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You
0: also do workshops on yamas and niyamas, and I see your connection between the two subjects, this and
1: refuge. They, you know, they, they. That's yes, I do workshops <laughs> on yamas and niyamas, and they, they do relate. And here's here's the way that that I think that they relate. My philosophy teacher, um, some years ago, was um, teaching on the yamas and the niyamas, and he said in particular the yamas. So the yamas are the what we call the outer observances. So mm-hmm. they're sort of how we behave in relationship to the world around us, um, but they're also inner, you know, inner states. So one of the primary ones that a lot of people know is ahimsa, which is harmlessness or um, nonviolence, you know, being kind. Mm-hmm. So he talked about truthfulness, and there's some, you know, all those, uh, you know, being truthful So he talked about the yamas in particular, that when we practice the yamas, because they are practices, when we consider them in our life, and the niyamas, which are the more internal observances, that what we do is we actually start to create an environment around us that's conducive to practicing. Like a container. Yes. Mm -hmm. So for instance, if you're practicing on being kind, to people around you then you know you're most probably going to create an environment around you in your house that's more that every you know people are kinder there's less conflict there's less hostility and i say less doesn't mean none right and so then when you go to do your practices you know you internally feel more settled because you haven't been around having conflict with everybody you know and your environment is peaceful so that was one of the primary reasons he talked about, it, is that it sets up a good container, like you said, for your practice. The other thing, according to Patanjali, is that, you know, the eight limbs, which the yamas and the niyamas are the first two limbs, that the purpose of the eight limbs what right, was to um, clear away the obstacles on an inner and an outer level for you to move to a state of awakening.
0: Like the stepping stones. Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. and to help you with clear perception so that you could see the, the world around you more clearly, you could see the truth of who you are more clearly. So that was the purpose of the Eight Lambs.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you like to study sacred texts. How much does those traditional texts direct you in developing this kind of practice? Like, what influenced you in creating this workshop?
1: Um, I do like to study sacred texts, Um, you know, because I I mentioned earlier that my first yoga classes were an introduction to those sacred texts. Mm -hmm. So I was really fortunate that way. Um, And I was fortunate in the way that I actually kind of took to them. So I've, over the years, even when I didn't have teachers, would study those texts and try to understand them and found great comfort in reading them. And there's something about when you read a sacred text, whether it's yoga philosophy or Buddhist philosophy or Christian text or the Bible, whatever it is that you um, that you find helpful, you read it, and there's something in the words that just immediately inspires you and uplifts you and begins to get you thinking differently about your life. Um, I think that's really important. I think the study of philosophy. And the sacred text is really an important part of your yogic path. Mm
0: -hmm. I feel like they're almost doing the same thing. Their goal is to offer you some refuge. Yes. Some answers to your challenges, to your questions. Yes. So I clearly see how they might come handy. (laughs) Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: I wanted to go back to pain and suffering just for a second to talk about How it's important, in my opinion, when we experience challenges in your life, to have support. And I wanted to ask you, what's the place of community, in your opinion, when we seek refuge? Because I see workshops as a way to create a community a bit more knitted than in a class. So I was wondering if you considered that or if you think community is important in your refuge seeking.
1: I think, yeah. I think that um it's essential actually Mm. and matter of fact in most of the wisdom traditions they talk about taking refuge like in the buddhist tradition they talk about taking refuge in the sangha sangha being community that's that's one of the places that you take refuge in Mm. so it's essential you need to have both you need to be able to find and navigate your own um, or resource your own inner refuge and the community around you, taking refuge in a community around you, can um, help, again, create what we were talking about, a container for that. So, for instance, you think about a yoga class. So I think a lot of people go to yoga and and um, um, love the community of yoga, you know, fellow yoga students around them as a support network for them. Mm-hmm. So they go to a yoga class, it's kind of like, Going and going into a temple or you know a sacred place, and um, everyone there is doing um, the same thing. Everyone's like minded. We're basically all seeking, yeah, on the same path, and that's very supportive to seeking refuge. So I think it's essential. I also want to say something about that that I. Um, believe that you know the the tools and techniques of yoga meditation asana pranayama um, the study of sacred texts um, having a daily practice all of that helps you to be able to find this inner source of refuge having an outer community but it's also important to remember that many times we need outside help Mm -hmm. and so we're you know, you're not always going to be able to completely find this, you know, inner balance and stability and centeredness through your practice. Maybe the challenges you have in your life are, you know, quite overwhelming. And so the role, what I call them the role of helpers, like we need our community, we need our fellow friends, we might need um, professional help and support. Mm-hmm. And that is really important for people to recognize that Sometimes that's what the practice does for you. It brings you to a place of clarity and recognizing that you need to ask ask for help outside of yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's important. Yeah,
0: I always see it as if you're by yourself, it's hard to see yourself. And when you have other people, their role in your life might be to hold a mirror to you. Yes. So now you can see your own self because yeah. you can't look in your own eyes. Yeah. Right? You can yeah. look you can't look deep inside yeah. of you yeah. without someone else reflecting.
1: Yeah, and I think I think that the community, when you talk about a community especially, or even a teacher, you know, teacher can help. But the community around us is sometimes when we've sort of fallen off of our, you know, falling out of our center, the people who are on the on the path, you know, these um, our fellow yogis or friends or community members. They do hold the mirror up for and Sometimes they show us, you know, they show us our, who we really are. They should reflect back to us, mm-hmm. you know, remember, you know, who we really are. So I think it's important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely essential.
0: Why is this work important for you as a teacher? Why do you want to offer refuge to your students? Do you feel like that's in your, it's part of your scope of practice at the base, or do you have a particular intention?
1: Well, first, I don't know if I offer refuge. <laughs> to <try>. <laughs> um, I think that I, I offer, or I think what I would like to do, let's say this, what I would like mm-hmm. to do is inspire my students to be able to, through the tools and, and techniques, to be able to find this place themselves. Excuse me. I, I'd like to be able to inspire them to do a daily practice, to seek a little deeper, I mean, I think that would be my my goal from this. Um, I do like to hold a space in my classes where the space itself and the practice itself can maybe elicit this calm place. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So I hear empowerment. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> what um, other skills are you hoping for them to develop?
1: Um, I think. Hmm. I have to think about that one for a minute. When you say skills, maybe give me a little bit more, like...
0: Um, so before you mention, like, clarity, right, Mm. or I see that as a skill or moving through the challenges. I see that, like, all the tools, this is where you want people to go, you want them to be able to move. Through challenges to seek clarity, to seek balance. Those are all little things you said. Yeah, you know?
1: I, yeah. I guess if you consider those skills, I th- yeah, I think that I would would hope through these practices that I would um, again inspire the students to not only seek a daily practice, but to develop the skills of um, experiencing. I would say this: experiencing in s- this this true refuge inside of themselves mm-hmm. so that they can tap into that kind of infinite awareness, that vastness, that ocean, and know that it, is, it exists. And then I would help the, hope that they would develop the skills of being able to utilize the techniques to calm their mind, Like I said, clear their energy. That's an important skill, clearing energy. Mm -hmm. Like prana, moving the prana, prana obviously sometimes gets stuck when we're emotionally stuck. Sometimes just moving prana can move the emotion out of the way. Um, Being able to direct the mind. So, So to have some capacity to be able to focus your mind is really important so that the mind isn't just scattered all over the place and get really distracted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, anytime anything happens that, you know, you have a, a capacity to bring your mind back to a place of, you know, being um, not only quiet, but focus, being able to focus.
0: How about self-discipline or... Yes,
1: big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big one. It's Self-study. Often, yeah. Self reflection, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Just inquiry, being curious, yeah.
1: Being curious, being able to ask those questions. You know, why am I feeling this way, or why did I react that way, or what is really is that really the truth of this mm-hmm. situation? You know, That's am a I hard seeing, question. yeah, <laughs> am I seeing this circumstance, this situation from a clearly, you know, or am I seeing, or am I reacting to it from? You know, a place of unclarity, you know, those kind of things. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely.
0: How did you know or when did you realize you could serve your community in that way? You can offer more down that path.
1: Um, I don't know if I ever, um, I don't know if I would have thought that I've thought of it in that way. I think one of, one part, I would say this one part of my daily practice, which has been a part of my daily practice since I remembered, has been the, I always at some point, usually at the end of my practice, sometimes in the beginning, I will ask how I can serve. Mm. You know, what can I offer? And I sort of um, hold that, uh, that kind of open, that question open, and I ask. And this has come along, you know. I've done a, many, many years of both living in this world. <laughs> And I've done a lot of years of practice, and now I'm realizing like this is a good thing to, um, to support others in finding this. I've been very fortunate to have amazing teachers in my life. Um, I've been very fortunate to have a lot of discipline in my life and um, a lot of uh, deep desire and drive to study this. So I feel like this is just my offering from that place. Mm, yeah. That's inspiring. Yeah. Do
0: you suggest that teachers do that? Ask is that a question you would suggest? Ask what you could do.
1: Yes. Ask how you can serve. Yeah, not just teachers. I would, ask, I would say anybody. Mm, why not? I, yeah, anybody. <laughs> Matter of fact, sometimes, it's, I think a teacher years ago taught me this at the very end of my meditation practice. Like, I've, I'm done meditating, you know, my timer's gone off, my 20 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever. And at the very end, I'll ask, you know, is, is there anything I need? Mm. And is there anything that I can offer? So first asking, you know, what what can I receive? Fill your cup. Like, yeah, fill my cup. Like, what is it that I need? Because I may not even know that, right? Mm-hmm. And so just asking that question, like putting it out mm-hmm. to the infinite, you know, what is it? And listening, and sometimes, you know, you have to remember, sometimes you don't get like this answer right then. You just ask the question, you plant that, and then somewhere later on during the day, I'll, I'll get some guidance or I'll just know to do something or... Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll follow it. And then asking, what what is it that I can offer? How is it that I can serve? Not knowing what the answer is, but just asking that question. I think everyone could do that. As a matter of fact, if everyone did that, I think they mm. would feel their life taking on a, a deeper meaning. Because that that service doesn't have to be a yoga teacher. It could be in the context of any job or your family or anything. Yeah.
0: It might give direction, purpose, or meaning yes. a little bit more clearly to your life. Yeah.
1: Definitely, yeah.
0: Is there anything else we haven't touched on you would like to finish with?
1: Um, I think, you know, there is something I was going to say that sometimes taking refuge, you know, I'm using, um, for me, the practice of meditation, asana, pranayama, study of sacred texts has been a place of refuge for me but I also want to say that sometimes a place of refuge or finding refuge or finding that place for some people, they need to go out in nature. Mm -hmm. So taking a walk helps clear people's minds or taking a hike or a bike ride or, you know, those can be valuable tools or um, valuable activities to do to help somebody um, find a place of refuge and find some clarity, you know, inside their life. Um, and again, the role of even going to a, a temple or a church or a yoga class is also helpful. Sometimes you need an actual um, place or community that's also going to support you in finding that place. So I think those are important. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So it sounds like just just like for meditation, there's not a recipe that works for everybody, but it's about finding what serves you in what you're seeking, if yeah. that's refuge or if it's something else.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. Exactly. Good. Perfect. Perfectly said.
0: <laughs> I'll put all your infos in the show notes, but if people want to connect with you, uh, they want to work with you, where's the best place for them to go to find you?
1: Um, the best place for them to find me would be my website. Okay. So it's ericatrice.com yeah easy i put up everything there i have if you want to get on my mailing list i do i do send out um newsletters every so often Mm -hmm. i have some i put on my website i have some meditation practices on my website that are free and they can download and
0: yeah oh that's very useful yeah well thank you so much for your time it was an awesome episode i think i liked it
1: thank you thank you for having me i appreciate it thank you for your questions too (laughs) very inspiring
0: my pleasure Thank you so much for listening. We have other great guests coming up, so make sure to subscribe. Now, if you want to make my day and get a chance to win a $75 shop card from Athleta, all you have to do is head on to iTunes or on your podcast app on your iPhone and write a review. As you write a review, you automatically enter a giveaway and I will announce the winner on the next episode. If you're new to reviews, check out the show notes for instruction or for more info about our guests of today, or go to my website, ericabelanger.com slash blog dash podcast, and I write my first name with a K, just like your guest. Last episode, Atleta was also giving out a $75 shop card. Thank you so much if you left a review. The winner of that giveaway is user Ms. Molly Ann. Ms. Molly Ann wrote, the podcast just keeps getting better and better. I've enjoyed every episode and I look forward to the next one. See, it's that simple. Thanks, Ms. Molian for your comment. Email me at erica.belanger at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram and I'll send you your shop cards. Once again, thank you for joining us and until next time.